Please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Street Hockey Radio, that's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. 28 games left, fam. I don't know what else to tell you. We got, we're just, we're powering through. We're we're doing what we have to do. We're surviving every day and uh, mm. dealing with this hockey team. That's that's it. That's all there is. Um, they lost a real nail biter last night. <laughs> The Minnesota Wild. That was a lot of fun. They scored some goals. That was a good time. They don't always score goals. That was. It was a fun game. Fun I loss. Was, that was a fun was, loss. Yeah. It was whatever. It, it was, <laughs> I was just kind of waiting for it to end. Saw it coming, so it just you know whatever. Let's get into all the stuff we do have to talk about today. Let's lead it off with the intros. Let's start things off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I gotta tell you, I picked the wrong time to take a Twitter break because. This was the week, like, Charlie said something in our Slack chat that I'm not going to repeat because it's not my information, it's his, that I, it, it was just like, for some reason, it was like a thing that I knew in my head, but for some reason, seeing him write it down with letters on a computer screen, it just like fully jokerfied me. Like, I just, like, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking out. Like, I'm so, I'm so. like life or the flyers oh the flyers i'm i'm still very much into like being alive and doing things <laughs> um but as far well, as the good. flyers go like listen you gotta ask it's I, 2022 I, I just i i i can't bring myself to like rationalize or try to like positivity my way through this anymore i'm just like i'm fucking done Anywho, I mean, that's how why, are you guys? That I, that's why I've been rooting for the funniest thing to happen in all of the games. Like, I lose, but make it funny. Yeah. And last night, my stakes were, well, Thomas has been talking trash for the <laughs> past many months. Like, it would be really funny if the Flyers beat the Wild. And then the Wild came back, and that was funnier. So I'm just, I'm just leaning in because this season is, whew. Bad. I mean, I think it's honestly at the point where people, I mean, I've made this point before, but like people probably are better served just not watching just because like, like all, all that's going to happen if you keep watching is just going to get more and more disgusted and more and more angry. Like the healthier thing to do is just be like, well, the season's a wash. Like I'll come back next year. Like that, yeah. that's, that's probably the healthiest thing to do. I mean, I, I don't see. I, Go ahead, I, 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 I know you think. I mean, this isn't my job. Like, I have another one. But I people do deposit several hundred dollars of American money into my account every month for doing this podcast, so I do feel an obligation to at least watch some of it. So no, like, I, 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 I I'm don't more, feel like yeah. I can check out. No, I would like to check out. Yeah. Believe me, I would like to not ever watch these games again and not have to talk to anybody about them beforehand. And... 
you know, like it's going to be 75 on Sunday. Like I would like to just like focus on that. But like instead I'm thinking about how I'm going to have to watch the fucking Blackhawks on Saturday. And I think I'm going to have to tweet it because Kurt has a life. And I'm just like, I I don't want to. Like I don't want to pay attention. Yeah, to be clear, I wasn't saying you as in you. I was more just saying you as in like everyone who watches this team. Because like everybody the, else just don't. Well, the, the, the thing is, is like all these games are the same. Yeah. Like they're they're all the same. It's not even like there's any variety. It's like they play okay. There's a couple moments in the game where they do completely idiotic things, and then invariably they lose. Like it's just it's the exact same script over and over again. How great and, was that Broussard clear list? <laughs> I mean, in all in all honesty, oh like God. I I get it's getting really, really tough to ask questions after games. Not because like I hate my job, but because like how what, many times can you say? how many times can you ask the same question over and over again? And like I feel bad for the players because they're they gotta be sick of it, but it's like, all right, also you guys are doing the same things over and over again. So like how many times can we ask, like, why do you keep blowing leaves in the third period? Like, yeah, it's incredibly repetitive, but also like, why? Why do you keep doing it? Yeah, could you just not do that? <laughs> It's like, is that a choice that you're making? Because I think that we would all be better served, Flyers, if you just didn't do that anymore. And I know I they're not trying to, but personally. it's just like, the, it's it's all become so repetitive. And it's just, you go into these games and it's like, all right, it's going to be two and a half hours of a hockey game. And then there's going to be two and a half hours of people yelling about the hockey game on Twitter. And like, that's just, that's just what happens every two days now. It's just, it's just getting old. I just don't and understand how anyone has anything. We're still like, how does in anyone... the middle of a pandemic and yeah. also a war. So we're having a really fun time and the Flyers are making it a lot better for us. In fairness, at least this year, like people have other things to do compared to last season when all people had to do because everyone was pretty much all still stuck in their house. Last season, it was just like all people had to do was yell on Twitter. Now, at least like, you know. 60% of those people can just, like, turn off the game and, you know, do something else with their life. Go touch grass. Yeah, like, that, that's say. good. That That's part of the reason. It's either that or the fact that I've just muted about, like, 70 people who are the worst people in the world, and so I just don't get the full brunt of it anymore. But, like, it, is, it does seem better on social media than it was last year, but it's not good. Like, everybody's just sick of it, which is understandable because everyone should be sick of it because, again, it's just repetitive. It's the same thing over and over again. I don't see how anyone has anything left to, like, be mad about. It is, like, what's happening now is good. Like, they have the same points total as Buffalo and the same goal differential as Seattle. Like, losing is awesome for this team right now. It's very, very good. <laughs> like, we want them to have the third worst record in the league. That's what we want. And with Montreal surging, mm -hmm. two is possible, baby. Two is possible. Uh, I, I just, like, <laughs> they're fucking horrible. Losing is good. The end. That's all. Like, when they were winning last night, I was like, please fucking blow this. Stop. Minnesota is so much better than you. Winning is detrimental. From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So another thing that's getting old, everything is just getting old for me at this point, but another thing that is really getting old is the every game, every home game. It's probably especially uh, like just annoying because like they're on this ridiculously long homestand, so this happens every single game, is the inevitable, I'm going to take a picture of the crowd 
and then I'm going to post it on Twitter. And then for the next hour, we're going to scream and yell about how pathetic it is that the Flyers have, have fallen so far that there's 9,000 people in the stands. Like, yeah, we get it. The crowds are small. You know what? Fans don't show up to watch bad teams that have no clear path for improvement. Like, this isn't, like, Chicago is now, like, the premier destination for free agents, even though the team is terrible. Like, Seth Jones had him on his, like, I'm willing to go to that team list. And you know what happened when Chicago was bad in the 90s? No one showed up to games. Like, this is what happens when a team is bad. Sorry. There's not going to be, like, people aren't going to show up. Like, we, we don't need to dwell on this every single home game. Like, oh my god, look at how few people are in the stands. Like, it's every fucking game. This is the new normal until the team gets good. Sorry. We don't have to post it every it's game. So, it's so strange to me that people who have absolutely no stake in butts in seats are mad that there aren't butts in seats. Like you're you're mad that the Flyers aren't making tons of money right now. Sorry. It's also the same people who are like, I'm not going to give this team a red fucking cent of my money until they blah 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 blah. And then they're like, I can't believe no one's at these games. Like, can't can't you? You're well, I don't there. think I don't think they're like saying I can't believe no one's at these games. It's just another way for them to sort of like dance on the grave of the Flyers. I think oh. it's like like ha ha ha. Look at how few people are showing up. Look at how pathetic they are. It's like look, we get it. Like we we know they're real bad. Just I, it's just like, do we really need to to do this every single fucking home game? And the thing about it, like, I get kind of wanting to, like, not point it out because the people who run the team see it. Everybody knows. <clears throat> yeah, that's the like my issue with it is like, um, if you think this team needs to rebuild, like, tear it down, start over, this sort of thing is going to continue. Oh, yeah. If you want them to fill up the building real fast, they're going to do some real stupid fucking shit this summer. Yeah. Like, yeah. they're going to do a whole bunch of dumb stuff to, like, oh, you thought that Ristolainen offer that everyone's reporting is bad? We're going to have 12 of those. That's what the summer's <laughs> going to be. The summer's going to be, we got to we gotta get in fights and get the big guys. Let's fill up the building. So, like, I don't know. I just... Well, people are going to do what they're going to do because they're mad. The team's fucking horrible. I, well, well, like, but going back to that, like, you know, we hear, I, I see this a lot where it's like, you know, if the Flyers would just tell everyone they're going to rebuild, that fans would be okay with it. And I, there is some truth to that in the sense that, like, I think that, like, at least people would be able to rationalize it in their heads that, like, okay, they, like, like, they get it. There is a plan. But the truth is, is that, like, if they did that, like, no one would show up to the no game. No one would go. Yeah. Like, there were a lot. Look, the Sixers with the process. Like, that was the epitome of, like, we're bottoming out. We're making it clear everyone knows what we're doing. And, like, yes, there was a contingent of fans that really, really liked the process. You know what else happened? The Wells Fargo Center was empty. Like, people weren't going to those games. Like, yeah, people were interested in the process. They were interested in it in theory about how it was going to work. And they were interested in, in, in terms of, like, debating it on social media yeah. all the time. But, like, the attendance was shit. No, like, you know that's why, why the you know why? stepped because, in. I remember because people don't want to go make see a, lot a of bad jokes a, a about bad. the Sixers having to pay people to show up. Yeah, like, we we used to make jokes about that on yelling about sports, Bill. But like, but like people that, don't want to see bad sports. That, that, yeah. that's a that's a simple fact. And the Flyers are real freaking bad right now. So no shit, people aren't going to show up to games. 
the league stepped in because a team in a major major media market wasn't making any money. Like, that's why the Colangelo's... Whatever. We're not here to talk about the fucking Sixers and relitigate all that shit. I'm just saying. Yeah. Over, no, over, overarching point, when teams are bad, people don't show up. Like, yeah. we don't need to dwell on this forever. It's just a fact. Last but certainly not least, Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. I'm, like, not mad. I, I don't... I, I might be the only person in the world who's just not mad. Because screw this team. They're bad. They're losing. Yeah, we've got to watch, but whatever. I'm just not mad about it. Have, have, I, have I snapped? I personally I mean, love this for you. At this point, there's nothing like, am I going to be mad about the same thing every single night? Like, I, I for, wish other yes, people... Yes, apparently. <laughs> I wish other people I mean, were that's in where charge. I, stand. I wish like, there was a plan, but there isn't. So here we are. I've already wasted my energy being mad on this team for the past decade. I, I, it's the same things. Like Charlie said, it's repetitive. I can't continue being mad about the same stuff. And, and on top of that, this has always been my, my policy, is I can't get mad about things that haven't happened yet. And that's why I can't. I, I don't get mad about trade rumors. I don't get mad about um, potential signings and potential contracts because it hasn't happened yet. And I just don't have the energy to get real mad about stuff that hasn't happened yet. So this wrist and extension that everyone's talking about, I mean, yeah, everyone's talking about it. Could be real bad, but it hasn't happened yet, and I can't get mad about it. Not so much mad as thinking if this is what they think the path is, yes. this aggressive retool will not work. That's where I am. Like, and then we'll be, like, and but then, we'll, like, we'll have to rebuild just in three years. So we'll get what we want, but I'll be closer to 40. That's it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's... So, well, you got something here, Kelly? No, I mean, I have like okay. a lot. Like I would have, I would have done a lot of tweeting this week if I was tweeting. So I'm I have like a lot of thoughts it. in my head, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hijack the show 10 minutes yeah. in. That's fine. Save it for uh, later. <laughs> I, uh, I'm back from Jamaica fam and I am refreshed. I am happy to have had most of this week off. I did post game last night and I got to tell you. It was like jumping right back in to what the what is there to say? What could there po- what could possibly be said about this team? Like they lack good players. Fifty percent of their defense doesn't belong in the league. Like all these things remain true, and they will remain true uh, until the season ends, and then we get this aggressive retool, and we overpay a bunch of uh, second and third line guys. But. A lot of people are upset that Isaac Ratcliffe, mainly Ratcliffe, because he was, like, up and then got sent down. Uh, But Ratcliffe, York, Frost, and Zamula are in the AHL while, you know, Patrick Brown and Max Willman and and this this cluster of also-rans is up here for absolutely no reason. Like, I get, yeah, Brown scored a goal last night, cool, but no one cares. Like, winning is bad, and also, mm. you're not gonna win with Nick Sealer in the lineup every night. Like, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> so, there really doesn't seem to be any point. So, I'm just looking at the AHL standings last night. Could it be possible that those four players are with the Phantoms, t- 
to help with a playoff push. The Phantoms have 27 games no. left, and they're not that far out of it. They're like two games out of the playoffs. Granted, it's a first-round series in which they would be the sixth seed in a best-of-three uh, against a three seed, but they're not that far out of it. Could it be possible that we're just no. waiting for the deadline and we're trying to help the Phantoms make the playoffs? Well, I mean, it's certainly no. possible they're waiting for the deadline because, but I, I don't think that's the reason. It's just that if they trade away a bunch of guys at the deadline, they're going to probably have to call up people from the AHL. And the logical people to call up in the AHL are the players who are the best players in the AHL, which are pretty much all the youngsters that are have been up at some point. So, like, yeah, I would assume people will get called back up after the deadline, if not sooner. Um, but I don't think it's because they're trying to help the Phantoms with a playoff push. Like that, they they might do that. Like if the Phantoms have like a couple weeks left in their season or like in the playoffs, yeah. But at this point, no. I think there's a ton of other reasons as to why these. And I don't think it's the same reason. I think it's different reasons for each player why why these guys have been set down. Like you mentioned, Zamula. I mean, Zamula is down there. Zamula is down there for for one simple reason. It's that. They think if he played a month in the NHL, he would get hurt because he's a twig. I mean, that's the reason he's not up. They know he's talented enough to play. Like, if they needed to call him up for a game, that'd be fine. They think that if he played for three weeks, that eventually someone would hit him in the corner and he'd be out for a year because he breaks his shoulder because he's a twig. Then he shouldn't be in the organization. Well, they're, like, trying, to bulk, they're trying to bulk him up, and they're slowly uh, making progress, Igor. but like, that's why. Man, he's still, got you. Bill, he's still young. Like, we the, have like, got you covered, <laughs> like, Igor. Like, like guys we don't bulk Bill, you up so fast. I know Bill, how guys don't have me. to be up at 22 for it to be worth. Like, like you're like, well, he shouldn't be in the organization. Well, like he's still young. He doesn't need. He doesn't need to be up now. Aside from the fact that you want him up now because you want something new. It's not so much something new as there's absolutely no like Nick Sealer has zero future with this team or this league. He doesn't belong here. So, like, if we have somebody who might, he should be here. And if he isn't, that means you have very little faith in him being able to make something of it. And uh, then if he gets, and then if he gets hurt, then we'll yell that it's another prospect got hurt. Everybody, what if he gets hurt down there? Like, there's no hitting in the AHL. I, I mean, you don't I, have as big or and strong guys in the in the AHL as you do the NHL. That's just a fact. I mean, they're grown men. Like, a 27-year-old yeah. in the AHL is the same size as a 27-year-old in the NHL. Eh, I mean, part of the reason why you're in the NHL is because you're bigger and stronger. I mean, it's just, it's just selection. Or you're just better. Like, some guys yeah, are but just good you're, you're more likely to be bigger and stronger. I, I Like, I, so these guys down there just don't bench I, as I, much? Like, that's why they're in the AHL? Like, I mean, there's, it's not there's the only— There's 30-year-olds in the fucking it's, AHL. It's not the only reason, but yeah, I mean, generally speaking, if you're better, you have more likely you have a more likely chance to be in the NHL, and one of the ways you become better is by being bigger and stronger. It just doesn't add I, up. Yeah, like, I think that that's it's, a, that's it's a, a pretty simple equation. It's a, like you're, you're, it's a contact sport. He can hockey. get hurt anywhere. It's a contact right, sport. The skill, there's more fighting and right. dumb shit in the AHL. That's a fact. Like, yeah, yeah. He, this is not a conversation a I'm interested in, so I'm going to move it back to what we were actually talking about, and that's why they've been sent down to the Phantoms. And one, at least they're playing, which is important. And two, we want this team to lose. So why would we want all of our good players? I mean, right now, that's all we have is these guys. So if they're talented and they're good and they start winning games for us, Let's not do that, bro. They're not I mean, that these good. Guys, these guys so aren't I, nearly good no, enough to win. No, but there's enough of no. them that 
maybe they could start winning games. Maybe they could flip a switch because <laughs> Nick Sealer and I mean, Jerry Mayhew is never leave, leaving the lineup because he's perfect. But yeah. um, Jerry Mayhew is an NHL like superstar. there's there's enough there's enough of of this core of young players that they they could start impacting games. I mean, these now, are third I and fourth line guys. I, I actually yeah, think they're it's not the right. I don't think but... it's likely, but it, it's possible. So here's the thing: Charlie wrote an article this week centered around Morgan Frost that did part of the jokerifying for me, wherein apparently the team thinks that what they're doing, I might be mixing two articles up. They're trying to fix the loot. Like they're trying to make some kind of like winning culture. Yeah. Like this is what yep. they're trying to do. Like they're trying to like do winning because if they don't do winning, the team is broken, which is like a patently ridiculous because the team's already fucking broken. And B, and this is really where my brain is. If the brain trust in charge of this hockey team from top to bottom thinks that putting together a winning hockey team is important and this is what they're doing with the pieces that they currently have, like, we got a fucking problem. No, like, and that's... It, that's the thing. Like, the, the th like the, it makes sense to me. Like, you want to try to win hockey games because otherwise everyone's going to lose their fucking minds and it's going to be real bad like it was last year into this year. I get that part. But, like, looking at all the pieces that they have, and I understand that we're just working with these pieces right now, this is what you think is going to do it. Okay. Seems I like a problem. I don't think so, because well, what, what, the trade no, deadline no, no, Charlie hasn't literally happened yet. talked to them, and this is what they said out loud. Right. Right. But it's still a business. Like, they, it's a business with a lot of secrecy. Like, they haven't been able to make a lot of moves. Okay, can I no, jump I'm in here? Can, can I jump? Yes, can I jump in here? Okay, because so I, I guess my question to you, Kelly, is like, who are you specifically talking about? Like the hard, like for example, like Morgan Frost. You want to know why Morgan Frost is down? Because he's been playing like fucking shit. But you, as you also pointed <laughs> out, has he been put in a position to play better? You don't like. In all honesty, I understand. The, I understand the, the, what the, you're saying. The only you're... reason why you would. Like Morgan Frost, since the end of uh, end of January, has a thirty five percent on ice expectacles for a share. I don't care who the fuck you're with. If you're putting that that degree of awful on the ice, like you don't get promoted. The only way you get the only way you get promoted, the only way you promote a guy who's performing that poorly, is if you're basically saying we don't really give a shit if we're winning because we're just going to work on development, and that's fine if that's the decision. But like, you don't. It's not like putting Morgan Frost with Claude Giroux is going to miraculously make him good because if no. he's that bad with bad players, like he might be a little bit better with good players, but he's still going to be pretty bad. It's and, he'll, not... he'll, and he'll certainly be worse than like the guy who they pushed down in the lineup to push Morgan Frost up. The big one for me right now is York. York. Well, yeah. Yep. But the, the, York, the York thing is, and I point this out in the column, that is screaming double standard. What it boils down to clearly is that they're not willing to bench Keith Yandel. Yep. That, that's what it boils down to. They're not willing to bench Keith Yandel probably because, number one, they like the guy, and number two, because everybody in the locker room likes the guy, and they'd have a team revolt if they benched him. Because as, as Bill said a couple weeks ago, the last time that a coach tried to do that, there was a fucking Rudy thing, and they just don't feel like doing it. What would happen if this team revolted? You know what? Like, the Florida Panthers tried to do it, and they're fucking good. If this team revolts, you can sit too! You suck! You're in last place! You know what, though? See ya! Bye bye the, the Panthers hired 
a, a GM with four sites. And I don't know that we have one at this point. If, if at, the this idea point, is you're I, trying I to create, faith in if you're trying to create some sort of culture or anything, and you have Keith Yandel, who is, I am not being hyperbolic. I am not trying to be Carnival Barker Bill, the worst fucking player I've ever watched. Literally the worst. If him and Nick Sealer are playing a minute a game, let alone the eight that you're allowing them to play, because it's a disaster every time they're on the ice. If that's what sort of fucking culture you're looking for, you don't know what you're doing and you're lying to us that culture and winning are something you're actually still interested in because you're purposefully icing a worse roster. And fine, I want to lose, so that's good, but don't give me any other excuses other than we don't care about anything other than Keith Yandel's streak. We no, want to keep a bunch of shitty players happy because of some old guy's streak. That's the thing. It's that right there. And this is the problem is that they think keeping Keith Yandel on the ice is a move that leads to winning because of hockey culture and hockey yeah, man that, that, that and true. bro that stuff true. and all that yeah. kind of shit. Well, it's that working out well. The, exactly. All of this old hockey man bullshit is, is what is destroying this franchise. Like, I'm sorry. Until Bobby Clark and Paul Holmgren and Dean Lombardi no longer have a fucking voice in the room, this team is going to be dog shit. Like, I'm, I'm convinced because I know in my Here heart. Here we go, Kelly. Here it is. it's fucking Bill. It's Bob Clark and Dean Lombardi who are in Chuck Fletcher's ear saying Rasmus Ristolainen is a must sign. Give him the fucking Andy McDonald special. If we lose him, we're toast. Like, those are the guys pushing that kind of bullshit. And until that is gone, we're fucked because they're never going to draft a small goal boy. They're never going to take any swings. They're always going to go for a big bruiser, stupid power forward, big defensive bullshit. Like we're never going to get to the Florida Panthers place because we don't have a Bill Zito. Is it Bill? Somebody Zito? Jack Zito? Bob Zito? Bill Zito. Bill Zito. We don't have a guy. Barry Zito, the lefty from Oakland. <laughs> considering you how you even win. go with Gord. Like not once. Let's not interrupt Kelly. She's rolling. I'm Let her keep saying, going. Like, I know. I'm sorry. It's, until every one of these fucking guys that everyone listening to this podcast is obsessed with and thinks is some kind of hockey god, until every single one of them is gone, or they have the Bernie Perrant role where you're just hanging out and having fun with everybody and being like the nice guy in the room, until they are out of our general manager's ear, we are fucked. That's it. I, 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 that's where I got to this week. Charlie, you did it. Sorry. They're going to sign Rasmus Ristolainen to a high dollar long term contract. Like it's going to happen. He can't 100% possibly it's going to happen. He, and and I think it's like forty percent of our cap is now is then tied up in Risto, Atkinson, Hayes, and Couturier. Is that I mean, right? It so, I mean, it sounds about right. They're they're all, all big cap so, players. Oh, so okay, cool. Uh, how the fuck do we go out and get a game breaker? Like, we're retooling. So now half the cap is tied up in these assholes. Where are we getting the money for uh, Johnny Gaudreau? Like, where are we getting the money to sign a big name scorer? Like, it's not happening. It's the not JVR happen. buyout? <laughs> I, I mean, I guess that that's maybe that'll happen. But I don't know. They might like him. He's very large. I have no idea where those brains <laughs> are. Like, it's no, just, it's Homer, like, <laughs> Homer's got to say again, and he doesn't play like a big guy, so they don't like him. I, I, I just, I'm so done with the 1975 mentality of this hockey franchise and it's not going anywhere because those guys are still in charge they keep putting other faces out in front of the microphone 
but this is still Bob Clark's hockey team. Like, and we're fucked until it's not. Kelly. Because he's an idiot. I, Kelly, I, I got to say. I completely agree with that you. That was an incredible and- rant. Sorry. It was amazing. And I'm just, I want to build on this mostly to just prompt Kelly to continue. When people talk about the good old days, I would like to know when were those? When were those good old days? Because they won two cups. The 70s. Exactly. They won two cups. You could say the 80s were the good old days, they didn't win shit. You could say the 90s were the good old days. They didn't win shit. The 80s, I would so, take. Like, I would go to three cups in a decade. That would be a so lot So here's of the thing. Like, pre-cap, pre-cap, they were, I think, making moves in that era that made sense to try to put together a winning hockey team. The problem is they're still making the moves that they would have made back then just with, like, today's hockey players, which means not the best hockey players. Like... The guy that you would have signed to a big contract in 2004 is probably not the guy that's going to win you a Stanley Cup in the 2022 NHL. I do think there is an L- a, a real element of that with Ristolainen. And I, I yes. think that there is, there is a real element to that with regards to, I think, because, like, yeah, I mean, like, guys like Paul Holmgren and Bob Clark, like, they know objectively that, like, there's a salary cap now. But I don't think it, like, the implications of it fully like hit home, which makes sense because like they lived most of their lives in an era where there but wasn't Paul, one. Paul Holmgren I mean, ran the team for like eight years. Stupid, then. No, no, but, no could, stupid. You, could, could, could you let me, go away. could you let me finish? Yes. Because so point is, is that like someone like Ristolainen, they can look at someone like Ristolainen and be like, you know what? I want that guy on my hockey team because he hits and because he's like the old school flyers type thing and he's fun to watch and he intimidates and he's hard to play against and all that stuff. And you know what? That's great. Like, that's true. It's true. He is physical. He is like pretty close to like, he's as close as you're going to get to like the modern day version of the old school flyers mentality. As in like, it can actually like be done and a guy can do those sorts of things and still be an NHL player. Like, yes, that's true. The problem is, is that like in 19, in in 2001, you could sign a guy like that for five and a half million dollars over five years. And it was like, sure, what the hell? It's your money, Ed. You want to get a big physical guy that gets the people jumping out of their seats because he hit somebody? What the hell? You can spend as much money as you want. You want that element on your team? That's fine. The problem is, is that now, if you spend five and a half million dollars on a Rastrus Alignin, that's five and a half million dollars you can't spend on anybody else because there's a there's a set ceiling in terms of how much you're allowed to spend on players. So you have to make decisions based on like who is actually providing value, like surplus value based on your contract, or at least not negative value. And you can't just throw money at a guy because you like the way he plays. Like he has to actually be providing tangible value towards wins and not being an albatross contract and i just get the sense that like they're the the older guys in the organization are still looking at as like i want that guy on my hockey team let's keep him whereas fantasy team bob where yeah whereas like we really should be looking at it as like is this really the best way to spend our finite amount of money that that's sort of where what i've kind of gathered about the wrist alignment and that's real bad and younger, fa- and younger fans look at it as like, there's a salary cap. You guys say you want high-end talent, and you're going to resign a guy to a lot of money who's like, not even just because like 
this is what we think of him. You guys aren't using him as a high-end talent. Like, there have been multiple, like, Ryan Ellis has been out the entire year. He's played four games. Rasmus versus the Lion has got, what, like, three games as a top pair defenseman? You know why? Because they know he's not a top pair defenseman. So, like, the coaches know he's not a top pair defenseman. Why are you going to pay him as if he's a borderline top pair defenseman when you yourself know he can't play top pair minutes? That's the thing. If if they were going to sign him to like, I don't know, a three year, $3 million a year contract, I'd be like, whatever. Whatever. He's not not been a disaster. He does the hitting, like, whatever. Like, who cares at that point? The problem is that they are going to give him a fucking giant contract because they are obsessed with him. And it's going to be an albatross around this team's neck for five or six years, however long. It is. And I don't know how, if you are going to do a retool, that you go out and get the high-end talent that you yourself sat in front of a microphone and said is what we needed. How are you going to get it with half your money tied up in old guys that are middle or bottom of the lineup? Like, what? how? How are you doing that? It doesn't make any sense. They're not. Like, that's... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, those are the points. Precisely. Like, honestly, the only thing that's going to get me emotionally back in on this team is them not signing Risto. If they first, if somehow they don't, either because he wants to go and he saves them from themselves, or he wants so much money that someone in the room with four or five brain cells still kicking around says, you know what? Mm, Maybe that's a little bit too much. That's the only way it's going to happen. But. From what it sounds like, they're going to find a way to give him what he wants in some way, shape, or form because they're fucking obsessed with him. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I don't understand how, okay, you got him. You paid a lot for him. Let's not fall into, like, the Econ 101 sunk cost fallacy bullshit. Like, okay, you paid a lot for him. You've been watching him on your hockey team for months now. He didn't really get that much better. Like, he didn't turn into a number one defenseman that's good just because he was off of Buffalo. Like, didn't happen. He's still doing Rasmus Ristolainen and things because he's not that good. And if you have decided that you must keep him because he's big and you gave up a first form, like, whatever it is, like, the hockey team is completely and totally, like, sunk. They're never going to get out of this until they're all done. And, like, I don't even think, like, okay, so they keep him, team's dog shit next year because they can't really put together a winning team with a salary cap because they've tied it all up in bullshit. Okay, cool. <laughs> team's, team's real bad next year. Okay, so um, we're drafting high. Who's in the room deciding who we draft? Fucking Bob Clark? Dean Lombardi? Like, are they going to decide who we draft? Because they're going to yeah. pick somebody who's not that good because they're fucking stupid. And then, okay, maybe we get the number one overall. Cool, we got real lucky. Let's draft Connor Bedard and then fucking turn him into a 200-foot defensive player. Like, let, let's, let's do that because that, those guys are still working here. Like, it's seriously, I've come to the point where the entire, like, to- I've become the top to bottom, everyone's got to fucking go person. And it makes me upset because I don't want to be that person. But I just don't see any path out of this until everyone making these incredibly stupid decisions is gone. Look, look I mean, at, I think look that at the, that's... The flyers have broken Kelly Hinkle. I'm that's how du- far we've I'm we so broken. I don't want to be... It's a really good point. I mean, every single point is great. Because we do have these men who have lost touch with 
really the realities of the the game, the realities of the league. Yeah. Still making tons of money by by running this organization into the ground. I think it's really fair to say right now this this is rock bottom. We are in the ground. Yeah, I don't care if they want to keep Bobby Clark on the payroll. Like I don't give a fuck. That that's I mean, it's Comcast not my money. money. Like, go nuts. I don't give a shit. <clears throat> but, like, pay him whatever you pay Bernie Perron to walk around the club level and say hi to people. That's all, that's all I need for Bob Clark at this point. Because they don't... Do, not, give him the, the Bob Kelly treatment. Right. Yeah. Like, march him out there. Hey, everybody. We all love Bob Clark. That's great. What a hero. Woo. Um, but, but they've lost touch with what the game is now. And, obviously, there's a level of hubris among them which i mean i guess makes sense they're professional athletes like high level sports people for their entire lives of course they're full of themselves and up their own asses whatever but that means they're not going to listen to anybody else no one's ever going to be smarter than them in the room because they know everything and also they know how to win because they won and that god fucking invaluable resource right there somebody that won a stanley cup they know everything um i don't know maybe like give dan carcillo a job he won a couple of them like you know whatever um but yeah, it's just like, they're not ever going to listen to anyone. They can hire all the analytics people that they want to. They're not going to listen to them. I mean, you and I know personally that they sometimes hire very smart people and simply yeah. don't listen to a goddamn word that they say. Pay them a whole yeah. lot of money, have them march into a room and say, please don't do this anymore. It's hurting the team. And they're like, now nah, what do you know? And then they leave. Like this is- <laughs> I actually heard a story about a second person this week that, oh, that did that excellent. a couple weeks ago. You're good, yeah, good, good. Love that. So more more than just the one person that we already know about. No, they've they've told multiple very right. smart so, people. So very- well, in, 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 no. in, in fairness, I don't think we have to actually hide this because I did. I reported this years ago that we're talking about Micah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mike, it was Micah. I, I, I wasn't I, sure I, if it was public. Yeah. No, no. I, I reported this um, back when they fired Hextall that-, that Michael Blake McCurdy was a consultant. He wasn't like a, a full-time employee, but they yeah, had him a as a consultant for a year. And one of the things that Micah rec- strongly recommended they do is, hey, maybe don't use Andrew McDonald 20 minutes a night. And they're over like, and now, over we're, again, he told them. now we're, we're just going to keep doing that because yeah. we think it's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Over and over again. So again, it's very cool that Dave Scott is like, hey guys, spend as much money as you want on the nerds. Spend as much money as you want on the training guys. As long as no one's listening to any of them, it doesn't matter. And the guys at the top right now are not going to listen to them. And I don't know if Chuck Fletcher is fully this kind of guy or if he's just such a nice guy that he lets everyone's opinions have equal weight in his room or whatever. But nothing matters as long as these are the people making the decisions. It, It doesn't matter where we draft. It doesn't matter who we trade for. It doesn't matter who we get. It's never going to get better as long as these guys are trying to build a winning hockey team from 1996. And that's what they seem to be doing. Because Rasmus Ristolainen would probably win you a lot of fucking hockey games in 1996. But not right so now. Here, so here's one point I will make. And I made this in my mailbag column. Um, oh, and I think it was Sunday or Monday. I don't know. Again, I, I say this every week. Time isn't real. Um, basically, you know, someone asked me the question of, what are your thoughts on a rebuild? Basically, like, philosophically, do they work? Like, do you think that this is something that, like, you know, actually can turn this team into a contender? Or is it something where it's, like, rebuilds actually more or less go the way that Buffalo has, where you bottom out and then you still stink and then you're still a mess? And I went back and I looked at basically every single team since the uh, the big lockout, the year, the, the year that we lost the season, so 2004. 
2003, 2004, I believe. 04, 04. Uh, 04, 05. Yeah, yeah. So since then, out of the, and I'm not going to include Seattle and Vegas. Seattle because literally they just became a team. Vegas because like they haven't become, they, they've only been a team for a few years and also like they're kind of an anomaly because they started out like somehow really, really good out of sheer luck. Um, so we're, we're left with 30 teams. Out of those 30 teams, 23 of them since 2004 have had a stretch where they at least have had three top 10 picks in four years. Like, one thing we got to realize is that, like, bottoming out, whether intentionally or unintentionally, it's usually unintentionally, is honestly pretty normal in the salary cap era. Yeah. This just, yeah. Ha- this, this just happens. Teams are good for a while. You have your and then run. They're bad, and then they're bad for a while. And then hopefully they're good for a while because they use the talent they got from being bad for a while to be good for a while. Now, the Flyers are one of the seven that have not because they were obsessed with the idea of we're not going to bottom out, we're going to retool on the fly, we're going to have a competitive retool, and all that stuff. Well, you know what? That didn't work. And I think, honestly, and this is sort of where I'm at mentally with the Flyers, we're just at the point where, like, this is when it's going to happen. Like, this is when they're going to bottom out. And it's not not that they're going to try to. It's just that they are. Like, we're going to have a few years of them getting top 10 picks. And hopefully, they pick good players with them. Because, like, I, I'm not as down on it as Kelly, where, like, I actually think that you get to the top 10. I think you'll you'll more or less, like, have a pretty good chance of getting a pretty darn good player. Like, I'm not so... Like, the Nolan Patrick thing, I think, was, was kind of an anomaly. And, like, truthfully, no one expected him to be as bad as he ended up being. So, like, I'm not going to, you know... Yeah, it was a dumb pick. And in the end, like, you know, it's your job to make the right pick. But, like, that didn't strike me as, like... Oh my God! The like it, it's not like they went and they took like Lawson Kraus second overall because he was fucking big and hit people. Like they took a guy who was viewed as a really talented center who just ended up not being a really talented center in the NHL. So like I don't think if they pick in the top ten for three out of the next four years, they're not going to take talented players. And hey, Clark, like, I don't you think wanted McCarr. I don't. I don't think there's an aversion to that. I think we're just at the point now where like look, and and part of this is that I kind of believe. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I get the strong sense they really, really want to re-sign Russell and I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to pay him too much. And I think that there's a correlation between teams that think that Russell Russell is good and deserves a lot of money and teams that perform very poorly in the standings. It's not just because of Ristolainen, but it, no, it's a symptom. Philosophical. It's a, exactly. It's, it's a, a symptom. larger problem, right? Yes. It, it's, it's, it shows that there's a larger problem in terms of talent evaluation and in terms of what you are prioritizing in terms of the way you're building a team. And if that's the case, I think we're just like, like everybody that's screaming, they should tank, they should bottom out. Like, I think you're going to get what you want. It's just going to happen unintentionally. Also, Bill, I don't think it. I don't think that Clark went in McCarr. I think that that interview with Bob no, Clark was I, like a, a PR. It was the other guy. He fucked up. We wanted all the good players, but yeah. he said no. We I, wanted I, I don't think players. I don't think Clark wanted anyone. I think I was, Clark just looked like I don't think Clark was like doing like in depth scouting no, 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 yeah, of of that draft. I think it was just that he knew what was going on in the scouting department, and then he also doesn't like Ron Hexel anymore. Right. So this was just a way for him to be like <laughs> "fuck you, Ron." Yes, I yes. believe that as well. I was being facetious. Um, all right, we are going to take a quick break. I have a few more questions for everybody. We're going to jump into some stuff, and then we're going to get get the hell out of here before somebody has an aneurysm. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll be back on the other side. 
All right, fam, we are back, and I want to get back to a, a a thing I asked like an hour ago at this point, uh, just about the Phantoms potentially making the playoffs. Now, we've kind of decided, like, no, that's not the reason for it. So I still want to get to this, though. Do you think, considering, like, Ratcliffe, York, Frost, Zamula, uh, I real all of them in different situations, but all of them... Ideally, I think you'd want up and developing in the NHL over just, like, wasting these games and playing guys who aren't going to be here next year, have no future with the organization, etc. Is it just possibly better for them to be in the AHL and now, at this point, making a push for the playoffs, potentially playing in that first-round series as in a best-of-three as a six-seed, could it possibly be better for them to play in games that have some sort of consequence rather than, like, be up here playing in meaningless games in an empty building in a locker room full of like guys who can't wait to be traded? Like, could it be better for them not to be a part of this? I actually, so, okay, let, let, me, let me jump in here. I actually don't think the locker room is, is toxic. Like Not I, toxic, you, 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 just kind no, of- no. Like I, 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 I the, you're implying that like it's a bad place to be. I actually think it's surprisingly not. Like I think these guys generally speak, and and I'm not saying that like and that seems there are, bad too. Uh, well, no, okay, it doesn't. So 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 literally no, everything is bad. If, no, if, if it's toxic, it's bad. If it's not toxic, it's bad. If guys if everything's don't, just bad. If guys don't want to get the fuck out of here, I don't want them. How could they not want to get the fuck out of here? That's a really weird stance. Yeah, that's like, a that's really a weird. Very like, no, bizarre. No, thing I, I to think say guys should want. They're, guys should want. They to have fix sixteen this. wins. If guys they wanna want to be a part of this, this, they're losers. No, guys should want to fix this internally. Well, now, whether they can or not is another story. But they should want to. They should be invested enough that they want to fix this. They should want to get traded to a winner because the season's over. Okay, I, I completely disagree with your thought process there, but sure, Bill. Yes. I mean, I mean, what? I also you want to stick around do. and be a part of this for? Playing an empty I mean, building it's, it's and your lose? job. People hate their jobs all the time, but, you know, it's and, still the person, like, it's still your job. And you should be invested enough in the success of the organization that you want to be the one who solves this problem. Now, you, you as an outsider might be like, well, there's no fucking way they're fixing it, so get out of there. But, like, that's not the way a, a player on a team should be thinking. And if everybody on the team is thinking, I just want to get out of here, then you honestly have even bigger problems. Then you do need to trade everyone. I mean, which maybe that's what you want anyway. So yeah, because uh, they've won sixteen games. They're horrible, and there's if they think they can fix it, they're just idiots. Because they would have by now. They lose every single night. They've got three wins since uh, the beginning of the year. I, well, they're not going to fix it this fixing? year. What are they? Fixing? But like again, you can't trade everybody. You literally can't trade twenty people. I'm just if everything's all kumbaya in that locker room and people aren't mad at each other, they don't want it bad enough. I think like, you can I, be mad without being mad at each other. Exactly. I think that there's probably an overall sense of this fucking sucks and we of course need to there be is. better. Of but I don't think is. it's like a hey Keith, you fucking asshole, why do you suck? Or hey Derek, what the hell were you doing on that clearing attempt? Like I why would they do that? It doesn't make any sense. No, if there is not a feeling of if Keith Yandel's in the lineup every night, they don't care about shit, then, I, like, uh, what are they watching? What what are they playing in? 
I mean, I don't know what you want me to they say. They think this organization. We've, we've we've already went over the Keith Yandel thing. Yeah. So if they don't see that too, then I, anyway. So you don't think it would be better to be a part of some like some meaningful games? That's the question. Perhaps just getting these guys in games that have some sort of intensity and consequence, rather than the exhibitions they're playing up here in the NHL every night. Like, could that be a reason? Like, could that possibly help their development more than playing in the NHL for useless games? I don't think that is the reason why these guys are I'm being sent down. I'm asking if it's the reason. I'm saying, do you think it could be helpful? Maybe. I don't know. It's development. Like, you know, a guy could... The whole concept of development, honestly, is such a nebulous concept. Like, it's probably individualized. Like, certain players, maybe. Other players, no. So, I'm not going to make any, like, concrete statements on whether I think it's best because I'm just fucking throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, and you, and you don't know either. No, no I don't knows. know. That's why I'm asking the question <laughs> I to have a conversation know and everyone's just looking at me silently. So we'll move on. Is it bad I, subjecting Carter Hart to this? Can't be good. No, no. So like, I, I think him getting his brains beaten in every night, is it bad? I had a thought about that this no, week too. I mean, it's bad <laughs> because like, he's got to deal with it, but Everyone loses, and I think that everyone on the team knows this is a lost season. Not that they're, uh, I was going to say not that they're playing like they know that, but sometimes they are. But they're, they're keeping the games that I've seen lately fairly competitive. I, I don't think that anyone outside of the fans are going to be hurt by this season. All of the players are going to be just fine. I had a. Th- we are not. We're not going to be just fine, but the players are. I had. A I, mean, thought, I, think like, I think they're pissed off, yeah. but like they are. It's look, fine. this is not. And I know this is stuff that some people are going to lose their minds over because they're already losing their minds over everything. But like, like this is not a team that's quitting. Like they're not. They're they're not quitting. They're in these games. No, they're part trying the real reason, hard. <laughs> part the reason why these games are still frustrating is because they're in them. Like. If they were getting blown out 7-1 every game like they were in, in late November and early December, then we'd have a real freaking problem even beyond, like, just the team's bad. Then, and that, I think, this is this was the overarching point I was really trying to make in that Frost column that, that Kelly cited earlier. They're trying to avoid that happening again. And they think they're at a point right now where, like, they've actually improved the process. Structurally, the team is better. They're around 50% expected goals for over the last, like, couple weeks. At five on five, and that's better than where they were at the beginning of the year when the team on paper was a lot better. They didn't have, you know, like Jerry Mayhew and Max Willman and Nick Sealer. Like, they didn't have like half your roster being AHL guys. Like, they were a better team and they were playing a lot worse. They're playing better now. They're just, now they're just like finding ways to lose games, which again, that's what bad teams do. But I think the Flyers, the Brain Trust big fear is that if the process collapses again, like the way it did in November, the way it did last season, if it collapses like a third time after all the work they've done to kind of fix all the structural issues that were plaguing this team at the end of the Vino era and at the beginning of the Yo era, if the, pro- the, the process collapses un- again, then it's like, okay, well, may- then maybe we are going to have to just completely blow it up in the sense of like trading away like 15 guys. And since that's not possible because no one can actually do that, 
then we're just going to be bad. Now, I agree, and Bill's response is going to be, well, they're going to be bad anyway, and like maybe, but they haven't given up on that possibility. They haven't given up on the fact they want to be competitive next year, so that's their focus. Their focus right now is finishing this season strong, and it doesn't even have to be like winning strong. It just has to be like, hey, we're playing well enough that if we had another three or four really good pieces and added to this, added those pieces that can actually put the puck in the net and maybe not have like Derek Broussard throwing the puck up the middle with four seconds left in the period because you have a better player than Derek Broussard who has the puck at that point, then you can take a 50% expected goals team, add a few really good players, turn into a 52% expected goals team, and suddenly you're back in the playoffs. Like That's where their head's at, and their big concern is that if they were to use Morgan Frost on the first line, considering how poorly Morgan Frost is playing, then the process would fall apart because you're promoting players who are playing like crap and giving them bigger roles and giving them more opportunities to play like crap. Then the whole thing is going to fall apart again. You're going to finish the season losing 6-1 games for the next month, and then next year is going to just be a carbon copy of this year. That's what they're worried about. So back to Carter Hart. What's he got? He's a three-year contract, right? He signed him for three? Is yeah. that right? Yeah, three-year contract. What if at the end of that contract, he's like, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore because it's well, like st- this. He's still an RFA, right? They would still would he still RFA be rights. an RFA after that? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, then in that case, I can take that one off my brain, which is good. I've got enough. Well, I mean, plenty of guys have just been like, get me the fuck out of here in situations in which they're under team control. Like, that happens. He doesn't seem like a guy I don't, that would, though. I don't think that that's the case. I'm just wondering, like, there's 28 games left. Do you think it's, okay, get him the time, start, you know, 20 of them, just get him the time, seeing NHL shots, let him continue to work, or is the process, like, defensively especially, so bad that this can't possibly, like, it can only be detrimental to him? No, because I, I don't think the process is that bad. I think that that's that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't think def- I think defensively the Flyers are better. They're definitely better than they were at the beginning of the year. Now, the only thing I would be concerned about is if just like the constant losing starts to wear on him. And it is it is a bit concerning because obviously, like you know, Carter definitely struggled with everything last season. But I think a lot of that was driven by pandemic stuff. And, and I think you know, like things are no more normal than they were back then. So I think that's that's not the issue it was last season. Plus, I think he feels more support from this coaching staff than he felt from Elaine Vigneault, um, which is good. Um, but yeah, I mean, you do worry about the idea of a goalie's mental state being dragged down by the fact that like he could play really well and they're still going to lose 2-1 to one because this team just finds a way to lose games. Like, yeah, you worry about that to a degree. But I have enough confidence that, that Hart's a strong enough you know, a strong enough kid that it, he won't drag him down too much. It might suck because his numbers will look worse than they should otherwise. And that's a bummer. It's a bummer for him. Um, but no, I'm not like terribly concerned that like, well, we have to shut down Carter Hart because we're ruining him by having him play in front of a bad team. I'm not worried about that. So Jeff, anybody Petrie, else? Huh? I mean, I'm not worried about them either. Ugh, I, like I said, the, the, the players are going to be fine. The players are going to be fine. The, the biggest problem that we're going to have from this season is ourselves bouncing back. Like the team is going to remain they're not going anywhere yeah but like sometimes players do just kind of fall into a rut when nothing ever changes like that does happen like development can stall 
guys do get comfortable with losing. That settles in. And that's I don't have necessarily a huge problem with, like Charlie has pointed out, Morgan Frost goes down because Morgan Frost stinks. Now, double standard quite a bit with some of the guys in this lineup, but it is what it is. That's just the stupid people who think, you know, you have to have the guy with the grays in his beard to be able to be a successful team. Uh, you know, it ain't working. They've won 16 games. Uh, but I, I just think, what's that? <laughs> they won 16 games. Like, I know it. But every time I hear it, That's, it's that, just... that 22 and 60 number <laughs> from 0607, like, always stands out to me. And they, man, I don't see them getting to 22. I really don't see them getting there. Uh, they they might, but it's entirely s- possible How? that they do not. How do they win any more games? They're, they're well. I mean, they're, possible they're, that they don't. They're coming close to winning games. Can they? Play the only that's what bad teams do. You just said no, no, no. Bad like ways to lose. really bad teams get blown out every game. Like I, I honestly, but this I don't is even the NHL. Remember. Like no one really gets blown out every night. I, I don't remember the um. Like the details of the really bad season, the what 2006, 2007 season. Like, were they were they losing close games or were they just getting blown out? Because my my memory has it that they were just getting blown out all the time. They were just fucking bad. I mean, I don't. That's remember. my memory. That's my remember memory of that. Also, who was their goalie then? Like, of course, you know, I like, but most hockey like this stat they keep throwing at us is really annoying. Oh well, in seventeen of the last nineteen, like they've been within a goal in the third. Like that is what happens to bad teams. You find yeah. ways to lose, and then you lose. Like there's no like this. I know that's not the point you're making. It's just something. Since it's being repeated over and over on broadcasts, tells me it's going to be like a talking point this summer. Like, oh, we were close in these third periods. If we just had Sean Couturier, and you know what? Maybe, but ah, this problem seems bigger than that, and we'll see. Poor JJ. Yeah. No, I'm like I'm not blaming the broadcasters. They're just up there doing their no, fucking job. No, no, no. Job. I know. Yeah. I know you're not. It's just like God. These poor dudes. We're complaining about how hard it is for us. They have to be a lot more engaged in those games than we do. Yeah, they get free that milkshakes sucks. though, so it all works out. Good point. Good point. I would do a lot for a free milkshake, and I guess watching this team is Ooh, one of them. Are we talking milkshakes? I miss, I miss something. We are. Okay. We are. I like that. I like so, coming uh, back to milkshake talk. So we were going on Jeff Petrie. Just oh. the Jeff Petrie rumors, because initially it's um, the idea that they're going to go get this guy who's like going to be 35, and he's playing for Montreal, who's fucking terrible. Since Marty St. Louis showed up, Jeff Petrie ain't looking too bad. Uh, a lot like a, some, a lot of the players on that team. But in terms of just the philosophy of this aggressive retool they're going to do, I actually like this idea a lot better than going out and signing a bunch of guys to six- and seven-year contracts. Simply because, like, may, hey, maybe it'll work. I would be real happy with that. But since I don't think it's going to, <laughs> you know, Jeff Petrie, three years left, is a lot better than signing a guy to seven. Like Carter, yeah, I Hart- take... I, I, I take Jeff Petrie in a heartbeat over Rasmus for Salon. Oh, oh yeah. Just, <laughs> in a yes. fucking heartbeat. In that comparison, yes. I'm just overall a 35-year-old defense. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, just like, just the, the, the idea the idea that like Petrie was the fallback if you couldn't convince Russell Lyon to sign is bonkers to me. Because like 
You know the difference between aside from the fact that like Ristolin it hits, so like that's that's why he's more valuable to you than than uh you know than than Petrie. Like the difference between Petrie and Ristolin is that Jeff Petrie has been a first pair defense. Yes, yeah. he's old, and yes, there's a risk. There's three more years. He's 34. I get it. He's not ideal, but Jeff Petrie has at least shown that he can be a first pair defenseman and be pretty darn good at it. So like mm-hmm. when Ryan Ellis inevitably gets hurt. You can put Jeff Petrie with Ivan Provorov, and maybe that pair will be pretty good. Whereas when Ryan Ellis inevitably gets hurt, and your number two right-handed defenseman is Rasmus Ristolainen, and we know he can't do that, then you're just fucked. Yep. Which is what's going to happen when they sign Ristolainen to over $5 million, and then when Ellis gets hurt next year for 20 games, and Ristolainen is like, well, he's not a first-pair defenseman, so I guess we're going to have to use... Whoever the fuck we sign on the third pair to replace Justin Braun <laughs> as our top pair right-handed defenseman with Ivan Provorov, and then Provorov is going to do what he's been doing for the last three weeks with that guy. Stink. Because we know Risto can't do it, but we signed him anyway. Have you considered just, that he's sometimes big? Sometimes I forget Justin Braun is on the team, and then he gets injured. And then he and... plays 20 minutes well, a night. <laughs> to be fair, he got the poops yesterday. He didn't get hurt. He got. He did. He got the poops. Mid-game. At least Petrie, but going to Petrie, like at least Petrie can do it, or he has yeah. done it. It's a, he has done it. Maybe he won't be able to do it as he gets older, but at least he has a track record of being able to do it. Whereas Rasmus Line's track record is like, well, he did it, but he did it like one of the worst defensemen in hockey for like six years. If you get into an Ellis situation and like, hopefully he's hurt for two weeks and not the whole season, like you would hope he can step in and do a Niskanen-esque job. Whereas we know Ristolainen can't. Exactly. I'm just saying, three years from now, if they, like, kind of get these vets with a little bit of term left, like Petrie, Hart will only be 27. When this thing inevitably fails, you know, he'll still have plenty of years left on that prime that we won't have wasted this time, whereas going out and signing a bunch of six- and seven-year contracts, you're flushing all that time down the toilet. I just kind of was excited by the thought process of maybe this will be a shorter term thing than <laughs> like dedicating the next decade to this. Like when it falls apart in three years, that's better than it falling that's apart better. in six. I mean, it's it's truly sad that the way I'm looking at this first line and thing is like if 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 the Flyers are just gonna sign up, like that that's just a thing. Like it's gonna happen. Wouldn't it's just a matter of when. It just it, that. I would rather them give him more money. Yes. Just to make sure the term is short. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, 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 fine. Fucking give him $7 million so it's a three-year deal. So that it gets done quicker. Yeah. Like, it'll be, it'll be a worse, it'll be a worse fucking cap hit. It'll be miserable, but at least it's not seven years. Yes. So that when, like, the team has a couple top ten picks that are on the team, and maybe they have their next core of stars, you're not paying Razzarus Alinen $5 million more than he's worth, and it's a drag on that roster. The term is the scariest part of the looming Risto deal. Well, like- I also, I had popped in my head the thing where, uh, I forget who said it, but, like, that Risto is gonna be good in the playoffs. Because guys like that are good in the playoffs. <laughs> like, it, it's just like, tr- like, just trust. Just trust that's going to happen. Like, no one has any fucking idea because he's never even sniffed the playoffs. But sure. Sure. Maybe he'll be no, good. I, he'll just I laughed, turn into good. I laughed out loud. Like, I had my, um, like, my, like, end of game tweet when I tweet out, like, you know, Flyers lose again. You know, X amount of losses and X amount of games. Like, fun times. And someone responded to me, just wait till playoff risk. That was here. very <laughs> funny. I, I, I literally... <laughs> 
funny. Cracked up laughing in the elevator. That going was very down. funny. I saw that. It response. was such a such a good answer. I just like like because the one thing about Ristolina that I and I said this on a couple podcasts ago that like if you if you are active and the Flyers are not doing this, they are definitely not doing this. But if you are trying to stealth tank, if you were trying to do that, Rasmus Ristolainen is the perfect player for you to have on your team for a couple years because he's like. For most fans, he's fun to watch because he hits people and, like, you know, people are going to get excited about that. So, like, if you're going to be bad, you might as well be fun. And he'll be fun if you have no expectations of, like, we're trying to be good. So, like, having him for a couple years as the Flyers unintentionally, intentionally bottom out is not a bad thing. It's just that if they resign him, it's probably going to be for, like, six years. And we're hoping that what looks like a downturn isn't going to last six years. We're hoping that, like, in two or three, maybe things are looking better because they've gotten a couple high-end talents in the draft by then. But then, like, even if you have those guys and they come up and they're looking cool, then you still have Rista line and it's $6 million for another four years. Like, that's truly the scary part about the Risto contract to me. That's the really scary part. I just... And, like, he's only going to get older. Like, he's already not that good now. Imagine what he's going to be in his early 30s. I hate that this turned into, like bashing Risto individually because I like him. It's but the, I like him as a person. Yeah, I think he's a fun player to watch. I just don't think he's gonna be worth anywhere near what he gets on his that's, next contract. The issue for me is the organizational philosophy. Right. If they think he's it's not him. Like if he was a third pair defenseman, if you had a really good, you know, like if Travis Sanheim was everything we thought he was going to be four years ago and you had him out there on a second pair or something, you weren't paying him a ton. I would love Risto on this team. I do believe you need an element of him. But goddamn, like, we're going to pay him like Andrew McDonald. We already survived this, and the term is the scariest. Not even because of how long, like... Oh, yeah, they'll have their next crop. I, you know, they probably won't by then because they're going to be run by the same group of fucking idiots. Exactly. But I have to sit here Why and continue to watch this shit just like I did Andrew McDonald. Why would he want to stay? Like, That's I the know only... That... He, he's going to save them from themselves is the only That's hope. That's the only hope that we have, yes. Like, that, that's what I keep circling back to because that's what we've been talking about for the past month. Why would he want to stay? If Driver. the Flyers are going to give him... This much money, some other idiot GM in the league will too. Driver, you said it a thousand times. No one wants to move. That's a good point. No one likes <laughs> moving. Moving sucks. He the just moved. Worst. Now he's gonna move again. Yeah. Nobody wants to move again. No. You make you make good points. Thank you. All right, gang. Do we have anything else to talk no, about? I think or? That's it. Charlie's got to go to practice. I have. They run practice out of every single day. That's every day, good for them. I hope they're really every enjoying day. themselves. I hope they're having fun. I, that's all I hope is everyone's having fun. All right, that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Yay. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and bang, content, content, content. Uh, we're, Steph's about to do fly purpley like two minutes from now, so uh, we're just putting it's out true. all sorts of stuff. I guarantee. You will like listening to the broadcast, the Broad Street Hockey podcast feed more than you will like watching the Philadelphia Flyers themselves. That is a money back guarantee from your director of fun and games. All right, that's it for me, uh, for Kelly, for Steph, for Charlie. My name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah.